Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to today's broadcast. Man, I'll tell you, I am so excited about what I'm going to be sharing with you today and this whole month. Now, I know it's, it's December, and I know this is, uh, you know, this is the time that most of the, most of the time, you know, we'll be doing things that had to do with the birth of Jesus and, and Christmas and all those kinds of things. And, but, but you know what? Jesus came to give us a new life. That life was supposed to be an abundant life. It was supposed to give us uh, everything that we needed for righteousness, peace, and joy, everything we needed to be overcomers. So today, again, I'm always talking about how to have life at its best. You know, God is not a dummy. Uh, it, it amazes me. You know, if you, anybody that you want to be friends with and anybody that you want to have a relationship, anybody that you care about, you always want the best for them. And uh, it, it amazes me that we get so crazy, so mystical, so religious, that somehow or another we think that God violates all of the laws of love, all of the laws of relationships, says, no, I'm going to make you miserable so that you'll need me. Man, that is sick. That's codependent. That's not how God works. And I, man, I hope that no relationship you're in is actually working that way. You know, I, I've had a a ton of marriage counseling situations where the whole conflict in the marriage was the husband or the wife, or maybe both of them, were so insecure that they wanted their spouse to need them, and they thought that the spouse needing them was somehow going to make the relationship work. I got, I got news for you. Needing somebody is not what is, has nothing to do with love. Needing somebody just codependency. It just says, okay, I need you to pay my bills. I need somebody to be with. I'm afraid of the dark. I need somebody to sleep with. Uh, I, I don't feel good about, about myself. I don't think anybody loves me, so I need for you to love me. Man, I tell you, I tell you, love says, I choose you. I want you. I, you know, I'm, I'm bringing what I have to you. I'm not coming to you just for what you can give me. So, so here's the thing. And this, you know, this, I don't know how this will come across. I don't know how this is going to sound, but, but here's the deal. The deal is this. From the book of Genesis, you know, Genesis 1-1, we, religion, has twisted and perverted everything that God is and almost everything God's ever said and turned it into some, something that looks like some maniacal, codependent, uh, tyrannical uh, being would impose upon the human race. And I'll tell you, that is just not true. And Jesus came to show us that wasn't true. Matter of fact, Jesus basically, since the Bible says Jesus was the Word made flesh. In other words, you want to know how to understand the Word of God? Look at Jesus. You will know how to translate and interpret the Word of God? Let Jesus and how he lived his life be the context. Well, I got news for you. Jesus was good. He was only good. God is good and God is only good. One of the great destruction, destruction mechanisms of the 20th century is that humanism, uh, Freudianism, socialism, 
all of these different uh, Luciferian-based constructs, every one of them uh, thrive on making other people codependent, making other people feel desperate, making other people feel in need. They need the government. They need the school teacher. They need the politician. They need the, the pastor. They need all, all and, you know, and I'm not saying that all of those people or all those entities can't play a significant role in our, in, in our life and in, in us enjoying our life. But I'm saying the moment it gets to a place of need, it's going to become sick. It's going to become twisted. It's going to become something that can't be trusted. There's not going to be love involved in it. It's going to be sick, 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 and your life is going to be miserable, 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 miserable. Now, uh, so I want to show you what God's intentions were for you and how that you can only fulfill those intentions by being yourself in Jesus. Now, when you start talking to people about being themselves in Jesus, or maybe even transformation, let's, let's talk about transformation just a minute. You know, when you become a new believer, your spirit man is made brand new. Now, there is this concept that says you come and you get born again, but then you have to work on your spirit. Well, if you've got to work on your spirit, then evidently you didn't get born again. You don't work on your spirit. You work on your heart. You work on your mind, your, you know, your beliefs and your thoughts, and that sort of thing. But your spirit has been made perfect. Otherwise, the word transformation could not be used when it talks about our process. Uh, our process of growth is not a process of change. It is a process of transformation. In other words, you are not trying to become something new if you're a believer. You've already become something new. But now you're trying to get your fears, your unbelief, your low self-worth, your, you know, your all those things. You're, trying, you're just really trying to let go of them so that you can get out of the way and let the real you emerge because that's what transformation is. It's a metamorphosis. It's something that occurs because, because what is in you, who you really are, transforms uh, the outside to align with the inside. So transformation, it should be an incredibly positive thing and it should be an incredibly easy thing. It's positive because like, you know what? I am, this is who I am. I am the righteousness of God. I am born of God. I am an overcomer. All that God is, he is in me. All, you know, everything that Christ did, I can do and greater than that because, because Christ is in me and I am in him and I have the Holy Spirit. Together we are in God. And, and it's all about knowing who you are and then not trying to force who you are to happen on the outside, but just learning to yield to it. And like I say, just get out of the way. Just, just get out of the way. Let go of your opinions, let go of your fears, let go of your insecurity, you know, let go of, of everything negative and destructive about you. Get, just let go of it. And when you do, who you really are will just start permeating every aspect of your of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Now, the problem is we are not encouraged to seek or understand transformation. We are told we need to change. Now, the problem with change is, is change is saying 
You've got to become something you are not so that you can be pleasing to God. You've got to become something you're not so that you can fulfill your destiny. You've got to become something you're not because, you know, whatever you currently are is not good enough. And I'm telling you, there is possibly nothing as damaging to your self-worth as trying to become something you're not. Because that means you got to reject you. you got to reject yourself. And that means that you do not accept uh, who God has made you to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and man, I want you to be comfortable. I, even if you still got struggles, even if you're still working through things, I want you to be comfortable and confident in the fact that your inner man has been made new by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this journey. And, and we're going to talk a lot about authenticity. You know, the church, and I, boy, this sounds so mean. I don't, I don't mean, for, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just speaking the truth. I mean, it's just simple. It doesn't make me dislike anybody. It doesn't make me mad at anybody. It's just a reality. The truth is this. The church is filled with duplicates. Not duplicates of Jesus, but imitators, people who are imitating those who rule over them, people who are imitating the people that they have put up on a pedestal, people who are imitating someone that they think God would accept or that God would approve of. And that means that people are not being true to their authentic self, who you are in Jesus. Now, I don't even know if we even know how to think about how, how do I go through transformation and still be me? I thought transformation was me becoming some, somebody else. No, transformation is not you becoming somebody else. Uh, we are not trying to get you to pretend like you're somebody else. We're trying to get you to say, God wants you, your personality, uh, your, you know, your sense of humor, your life experiences all come into this, but he's just wanting you to be the righteous version of that. Uh, not take on somebody else's sense of humor, not start talking like somebody else. You know, we were talking about this in, in, in one of our, uh, uh, I, I, well, one of the podcasts I do, I do, I do so many different, speaks to me in different places. Sometimes I can't remember where I said something. You know, there was a guy that I knew back in the 80s, and sadly, his testimony was fraudulent. And honestly, when I met him and spent just a little bit of time with him, I knew his story wasn't true. You know, when you got a background like I've got, and you, man, you came up on the streets and you were around all, you know, all the wickedness that you can imagine, and you hear people kind of exaggerating their testimonies, I, you know, you pick up on it pretty quick pretty quick like. Now, here's the thing. I didn't feel any need to expose this guy. I didn't feel any need to come against him. I didn't feel any need to, you know, attack him because even though his personal testimony was not true, he was reaching hundreds of young people every week for the Lord. And, uh, you know, plus, that's, that's, that, that was his issue to work out. Now, if he had been leading people astray, if he had been damaging other people's walk with God, if he had been encouraging immorality, you know, the Bible tells us we should point out those kinds of people. 
There, there, are certain, there are certain types of people that we are supposed to expose their deeds of darkness. But that does not mean it's our job to correct everybody. It's not our job to, uh, to you know, to, to impose ourselves into people's lives. And I'll tell you something, even when you're correcting somebody, even when you're dealing with an issue, you've got to think about how to do that and not hurt the innocent people. And so I didn't want to hurt the innocent people. And so, you know, this guy was helping a lot of people. Um, and many of you know him. His name was Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke had a testimony of being a Satanist high priest. And he was not a Satanist high priest. But, you know, he, he got his claim to fame around that testimony. And the truth is, he couldn't get too far away from that because if he did, he would have lost his influence with, you know, with the young people he's trying to reach. That doesn't make it right. I'm not justifying it. I am just saying that's probably how he thought about it in his mind. But here was the thing. Uh, you know, when you would go hear him, there was only a portion of his, of his time, you know, from the pulpit where he would talk about that. And so many of the things that he talked about and addressed were so meaningful to young people and able to really, really help young people. And so, so you know, the thing, and I, I, didn't, I never felt like it was my place to even address it with him. I, addre I address other things with him, but, but here's the point. I always know with people like that, if they would get comfortable and realize that they can be who they really are in Jesus. Number one, they, they, can, they can drop any of that. They can, you know, and just stop telling the story. Just stop telling that part of it that's not true. And I, you know, they don't have to go back and, and tell the whole world that that's not true. Just stop telling that part's not true. Start walking in righteousness. But, but the point of it was, he had some great stories that I thought really, really helped people. And, uh, one of his stories he had was that when he first got saved, he started trying to pray and sound like, I don't remember if it was Dave Wilkerson or who it was, but he was imitating somebody else. And he was saying, you know, it's like the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, I hear you talking to me, but I don't know who you are because, you know, I, I don't recognize you. Now stop, stop thinking about it. How many times when you pray, out loud, if you're called on to pray in a congregational meeting, if you're called on to pray at dinner, how many times do you start speaking King James English? How many times do you change the tone of your voice to, to fit some religious pattern that you've heard? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that, that, that the person that you're copying is wrong, but I'm saying how many times have you thought you had to imitate somebody else in order for you to be a blessing? Or how many times have you thought you need to imitate somebody else for God to use you? Well, I got news for you. God needs you to be you. And before we jump into the scripture, I want to say a couple of things. Number one, I want to say this. When I look at, when I look at the world, when I, I, well, let me put this, when I look at all things, when I look at eternity, when I look at life, it's like it's a, it's a humongous puzzle with millions of little bitty pieces in it. And every one of us are like a unique puzzle piece. And no other puzzle piece is like we are, which that means that if we reshape ourselves to, to be like somebody else, that's all right to, to imitate them as far as godliness goes. You know, you know, Paul was like, follow me as I follow Jesus. But, but he wasn't saying, you know, become like me in every way, become like my personality, become talk the way I talk, preach the way I preach, none, none of that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, 
we want to follow people who by faith and patience are inheriting the promises, but we want to follow them in their faith, not necessarily in every single aspect of their life. And I'll tell you, a lot of people who, a lot of people who got it working in some areas, that doesn't mean every area of their life works. I, you know, there's been times in my life where I've told people, don't follow me in this. I don't have this worked out yet. I'm, you know, I'm working on this, but I, I, I can tell you where you can follow me. So, <clears throat> uh, we, if we do not yield to who we really are in Jesus and be who we are, this puzzle never gets put together properly because your life experience, your personality, the way you talk, all of these things come together and affect how you relate on a social level to other people. Now, now God yielding to him, that's where, your, that's where your character comes from. That's where your righteousness comes from. That's, that, that's, where, you, that's where your godly, every aspect of godliness comes from. But as far as being able to connect with other people, that's all about you and, and who you are as a person. Like I say, your life experiences, your sense of humor, your personality, all these kinds of things. There are people you can help that honestly, nobody else in the world can help. But the problem is you can't help them if you start imitating somebody else. Because when you start imitating somebody else, you reshape yourself and in all eternity, that puzzle has no peace to go in where you're supposed to plug in because nobody, nobody else can be you. And the truth is you can't be anybody else. You can be the new you in Jesus. You can be somebody else as far as your character goes, as far as your godliness, because you can reshape all kinds of things about you, but you're still you and you still have your unique life experiences. So when, when God made man, uh, and we, you've heard me harp on this and harp on this, harp on this, you know, you, your faith stands on two primary pillars. Now there's some other pillars of faith. But the first two primary pillars of faith is number one, the biblical account of creation. If you do not believe, and if you don't understand it, that's all right. But if, you're, if you do not believe the biblical account of creation, you will never have stable faith, never. You'll always have wavering points because, because everything that Jesus taught about how to operate faith was based on how God created the world. In Mark 11, when he talked to us about having faith, that's what it was based on. So, so if, you, if, you, if you make the very first thing we know about God a myth, a storybook, a, you know, a fairy tale, then, then you, what do you do with everything else? And then the second pillar of faith is how God uniquely created the human race. And so we've talked about it. We are created in the likeness and the image of God. We are, are supposed to function in faith exactly like God functions. And we are supposed to actually have authority over our own lives and really authority over the world or whatever part of the world we, you, you know, we influence or, or whether or not the world can influence us. And if you, don't, if you don't iron out these two things, but now, now let me tell you something. For almost 50 years, 
I have studied, restudied almost every year. I go back and look at creation. Almost every year I go back and look at the fall of man. Almost every year I go back and look at how God created us. And I tell you, I never stop discovering things that strength, strengthen my faith. But after, after the Bible tells us about God creating man, then, then in, in, um, in Genesis 1.28, it says this. It says, and God blessed them. And I like that. God didn't curse them. God didn't say, all right, now I'm going to put you in a bad situation so you can suffer and learn how to be godly. He's, he blessed them. Uh, I, I love that. And, and he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Now, when we read this verse, we have pretty much been taught that uh, being fruitful and multiplying is just about having a bunch of kids. No doubt it can apply to that because, you know, we were supposed to fill the earth and it takes a, a human race to fill the earth. But the real truth is in this passage of Scripture, uh, there, is more, there is more evidence and likelihood that being fruitful and multiplying actually has less to do about bearing children and more to do about who we become in the earth. Now, uh, Rabbi Lapin, I believe is his name. I can't remember his first name right now. Uh, man, he has, some, he has some incredible stuff about the Hebrew language that, that I study. He's one of the many Hebrew scholars that I study. But he was, he was one of the first ones that said something like this. So I'm not quoting him word for word. But uh, he, he said, God told man or was telling man, you go out into the earth now and you find the place in earth that feels right for you. Now, now remember, God restated this after the flood with, with Noah. Uh, so so God, God's will in this thing didn't change because man sinned and because of all the things that came upon planet Earth. You go out here and you, you walk through planet Earth and you find what looks right, feels right to you. And you find the place that provides you the opportunity to succeed. And that's where you go and that's where you prosper. That's where you, that's where you uh, uh, multiply. Now, the word uh, fruitful... Uh, the Hebrew word fruitful, of course, it, it obviously it can mean to, you know, to bear fruit. But see, bearing fruit, that's children. That's the fruit of your labors. That's the fruit of success. That's the fruit of, uh, of you know, any, any of these aspects uh, that have to do with increasing. And so, so, so it's not unique to having children. But it's really interesting because the letters that spell out the, the Hebrew word para. Um, are, are pay, resh, and hay. Now the word pay, the Hebrew, or the Hebrew letter pay, uh, tells us that you're supposed to be observant. This is what I think Andrew Lape, uh, 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 Rabbi Lapin was referring to. 
we want to be perceptive. We want to be paying attention, but we always want to be looking at everything and, and having, you know, uh, our ear to heaven, our, our ear to God. So the second letter is the, is the letter resh, which is a repentance. And see, we think of repentance only as repenting when we've done something evil, but really repentance is just leaning into God, just turning into God. So he's saying, get out here and get a God perspective of wherever you are, of whatever's going around you. And the, the last letter, the hey, uh, is talking about the presence and the breath of God. So I'm like God breathing the breath of life and success into whatever it is that you're doing because you're observing this and you're, and you're trusting God's insight to lead you. But then the word multiply, the word multiply comes from the he Hebrew word uh, ravah. And again, that's resh, repentance, always be leaning into God. But that also comes down to the letter bet, which means do this from your heart. Connect to God in your heart. And the last letter of that word is the hey, which is talking about the presence of God. So it's talking about, it's talking about if you want to be fruitful, multiply, you're going to go out here, you're going to be observant, you're going to be, but you're going to be listening to God the whole time. And you're always going to be leaning into God, that repentance. That's what that's about. That's not, repentance is not just about, uh, you know, having remorse over sin. But here's what's really interesting. This word uh, multiply means to become great or become many. So it can be about, it can be about uh, uh, having children. That's fine. I have no problem with this. But it's really about, it, it also means uh, to become numerous of a people, become numerous in the animals that you have, to become great, uh, to grow, to increase, to, to enlarge. Uh, and so, so actually what God is saying, I want you to go out here. I want you to be observant in the world, but I want you to keep your heart connected to me. And I want you to keep your heart connected to, to, to walking the path with me, the hay, the staying in my presence, abiding in my presence, because I want you based on what, what's your passion based on what, what you want to do with your life. I want you to succeed at the thing that you enjoy. I tell you, you know, for years you'd hear these people say, man, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be a missionary and go to Africa. And somebody would be like, don't say that, don't say that. If God hears you, he'll make you do it because he's always going to make you do what you don't want to do to prove that you love him. Man, that's nonsense. God's saying, I have made you unique. There are things you can do nobody else can do. And you know what? If you'll just, if you'll just walk with me, and learn how to live your uniqueness and connection with me. Learn to be who you are in Jesus, always having a heart that is seeking to walk my path. Then, then not only are you going to multiply, not only are you going to find greatness, not only are you going to increase in every way, but under the new covenant, we know, but my grace is going to work in you to bring this to pass. You know something? Uh, I... Everything about everything I do in this broadcast, everything we do in this ministry is about helping people be who they are in Jesus, about people enjoying the best life possible. Not just the best life for you, but the best life for people around you, the best influence on the world. So, you know, something I, I'm going to talk to you in just a minute about a special offer to help equip you to do just that. You know, I've got a ton of resources that I've developed for one purpose. That is to equip you to live the abundant life. 
I don't even know how many, how, how many series we have, over a hundred series that we have that, that are full of biblically based tools, resources, step-by-step -step instruction about how to connect with God in your heart and really resolve almost any problem imaginable. So for the month of December, we're going to make all of those resources available to you at an incredibly great uh, price. And, and this is stuff that just goes beyond what I can share with in the, pro, in the weekly program. And this is for people who really want to invest themselves. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you 25% off of all digital uh, products. If you if, you're, if there's any of these series, you said, this is it. I'm going to invest in my life. I'm starting the new year on a new path. You can get this for 25%. Man, you know what? You, you just click and you're studying right then. Or if you want it in hard products, like in CDs, uh, we're going to give you 20% off. And we that's going to be in everything that we have, including heart physics. So be sure and check it out. Start this year different. Invest in yourself. You know, that's what disciples do. Disciples say, Jesus came to provide me with everything that I would need to know to have this incredible life. All I've got to do is take it and invest in myself. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.